On today's show, Giannis goes for 54 points, but the Bucks lose to the Pacers. Is there any way to fix the Bucks defense? Plus, are we buying into the Hawks? All of that and more on today's Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA. Wes Goldberg here with Adam Mates. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. We'll talk about the Hawks' exciting win over the Magic in a minute, but let's start in Indiana, where Giannis scored 54 points, but the Bucks lost to the Pacers 126 to 124. No Damian Lillard for Milwaukee, but offense was not the problem tonight, Adam. <laughs> this team can't stop anybody and that was the case tonight the bucks have gone from a top five team in defensive rating to one of the worst defensive teams in the league now besides the obvious swap of drew holiday for damian lillard do you see anything else going on or do you think that's pretty much it i mean you have a coaching change as well right so you have some schematic differences yep. going on um and i just think it's underrated and i think underappreciated how much a coach has an influence over the philosophy, the core of a team, um, the the mental makeup and physical makeup of a team. I mean, another team we could point to is the Boston Celtics going from Ime Adoka, and I thought they were a very tough team, tough-minded team. And I think in the last year, year and, and now 10 days, you look at the Boston Celtics and you think, okay, that's much more of an offensive team, kind of a flashy team. There's that completely changed the identity. Successful for the Celtics, successful under both regimes um, to a certain point. You see this, it's very obvious that the Bucs have changed their identity. Yes. They, they are not a defensive team by any by any means. Um, and you have to tip your hat. The Pacers, not a great defense in their own right, but an incredible offense. So, yes, the, the, they give up 126 points tonight, but the Pacers have given up, you know, they scored 126 quite a bit. So this was an offensive battle between two teams that don't really have a defensive identity just yet. The coaching change is, to me, the biggest thing. I thought you hit the nail on the head there. With Mike Boonholzer, they knew exactly what they are doing. Drop defense with Brooke Lopez. You had Drew Holiday there. He fights over the screens. Everything uh, shuttles in into Brooke at the rim. Under Adrian Griffin, by the way, was ejected in this game. Uh, <laughs> kind of hilariously so, I thought. I thought it was a – you know, if there's like – wild ejections there's angry ejections. this was kind of a funny ejection to me the two technicals in in a row like is in all, it, that's that's the best version of an ejection right yeah, it's just like you know what we're just gonna boop boop getting two of yeah. them get out of here um he did say that he wanted to defend Giannis, who doesn't i guess complain to the refs according to adrian griffin uh, right, a little bit right. more and and so he was he was fighting for his dude and i and you look at the way the players responded i think it was a good thing actually they were down by like 16 points i think at one point and they came back after that but Still, under Adrian Griffin, kind of zooming out here, I don't really know what kind of defense they play. Like, usually, Adam, you know this. Like, we can watch an NBA game and, like, okay, they're playing drop, they're playing zone, they're in, like, switch everything. With the Bucks, I can't really tell sometimes. And I think that's because the Bucks can't really tell sometimes what defense they're in. I, I really, like, there was, there was, uh, in a fourth quarter, like, a, a, a stretch there where Brooke Lopez switches on one play. And then Miles Turner just drives right by the guy that he switched from to the rim. Pacers score. He drops on the next play. Halliburton gets an easy basket. And then he ends up kind of hedging and then dropping. And then Ben Matherin gets an easy score. And those are three possessions in a row. And look, I, I'm not, I, I don't mean to put everything on Brooke Lopez, but he's a very specific kind of defender. He is a drop right. 
defender. You don't want him really switching out there and doing all these things. And I don't know. I guess if I, uh, an advocate of Adrian Griffin would say, well, he's trying to mix in all these different schemes early in the season so that the Bucks are ready to play these schemes later in the season. But my retort to that was defense was never the problem here. <laughs> and so I, I don't, I can't really tell what it is that they're doing, and 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 it doesn't really seem like defense is much of an is much of an identity for them. Scheme, sure. I th- I think a lot of this though it has to do. You kind of alluded to it, which is focus. I mean, it's so interesting watching the eighty-two game season because a lot of it is about building a foundation early on, establishing some wrinkles as you go through, and then fine tuning everything towards the end. Right now should be about establishing identity, principles, core values, and this or that. And right now, I just think a lot of this has to do with sort of the core values of this Bucks team, which appear to be completely different, more offensively focused. Um, and and certainly to your point, though, about Brooke Lopez, you know, they had a core identity that was working for them uh, earlier. And to go away from it is a little bit strange. But I honestly, I think the more interesting story, the Bucks are, look, they were shorthanded. They didn't have... Damian Lillard, you know, they're a work in progress. They have all this chaos. But the story to me is the Indiana Pacers who moved to six and three. Yes. And to me, this is the team I love. I love the Pacers. They might have the most um, players that I like. You know, like almost every player that is in their rotation is a player that I I like in some capacity. Um, They've got a lot of great players. And then Tyrese Halliburton, I mean, that guy is a superstar. 29 points, six rebounds. 10 assists, some clutch buckets, and five of nine from three. He was phenomenal as he always is. And tonight, yes, Giannis goes for 54. Tyrese Halliburton had some of the big plays down the stretch. Uh, he was he was great in this game. And I thought a big development for Indiana was Benedict Matherin having a bounce back game. game. A little bit of a slow start to the season for him. 26 points, 11 rebounds, I uh four offensive rebounds. And I love this new wrinkle. Like Benedict Matherin as a rookie was a scorer. And that was it, right? right? And not much of a defender. Uh, the three-point shot kind of came and went. He's not a playmaker by any stretch. He's not a guy who even, like, passes a whole not lot. Not as well, yeah. But he's so big and strong, and he's got such great leaping ability. I love this sort of wrinkle of, okay, in addition to the scoring, what's your B skill? And it might just be crashing the boards as an offensive rebounder, kind of like a Russell Westbrook type of thing. And I love that as a wrinkle for him in his game. And, and it was a huge game for him. If you've got him and Halliburton doing all the Halliburton things, um, then you've really got something there. The Pacers are four, fourth in uh, point differential in the Eastern Conference but, uh, behind Boston, Philly, and Atlanta, who we'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, I, I think the Pacers are great. My problem is that Giannis went, to 50, went for 54 against them, and it kind of felt like Giannis could have had more. They don't have anybody, not that anybody has anybody that can d- defend Giannis, but they don't have anybody even like close, like not even in the same universe as Giannis. And defensively, there are a lot of issues there. But I guess that's more of an issue for Milwaukee, who are, you know, fancy themselves a championship contender versus the Indiana Pacers are sort of just sort of uh, still in the rebuilding process of this whole thing. Well, I think for a couple things to unpack there, one, you have to kind of establish expectations for the Pacers. I don't think that they're a title contender. I don't really think title contention is serious for them right now. And that's okay. They are in the the phase right now where it's how good can we be? And there are lessons that you learn along the way this year that lead toward that. So part of me understands that this does not look like, as much as I love a lot of the players on the roster of the Pacers, this does not feel like a complete roster just yet. It feels like a, a stage before that. So there's that. And then the second part of this, Giannis had 54 points tonight. They the they had 124 points total, 46 made field goals, just 23 assists. 
a lot of this was by design, and we've actually seen some big-time performances against the Pacers this year. I think they like to play the single coverage. I think they mm. like to make guys a score, quote-unquote make guys a score. And tonight, Giannis did go for 54, one off of his career high, but the Pacers get the win. And late in the game, they started to send the double team. They started to really help a lot and you know be more aggressive in that. And I just think it's a smart strategy, to be honest with you. If you're not good at defense, you might as well disrupt the rhythm of the rest of the team, hold a team to 23 assists, force a guy to go for 54. Giannis was obviously awesome. I'm not trying to say it was an easy 54. He had to make the shots. But to me, it was a smart strategy, and, and it worked tonight. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, to your point, when Giannis went off the floor, the Bucks couldn't do anything. And that's yeah. a lot of the case, and a lot of that has to do with Damian Lillard not playing in this game. But Giannis went off the floor in the fourth quarter and the Pacers just rattled off seven straight points and got back into the game. And that's that like small couple of minutes stretch is basically what won Indiana this game. If not for that, I mean, you could argue that, you know, that Giannis stays in and Milwaukee goes on to win this thing. So um, it's a good call out. I do wonder taking the, you know, stripping away any expectation. And I, I'm, I agree with you. They're not championship contenders. I don't even think they would think of themselves as the, at that point in their phase, but they could be like this year's Sacramento Kings, where they're just a super high-powered offense. Offensive offensive success translates to a lot of regular season wins over the last few years. Defensively, they could figure it out in certain games like they did at the end of this one. But I wonder if they're just in an Eastern Conference that seems a little shaky once you kind of get past the top two here in Boston and Philadelphia. They're third right now in the East. They could stay at in third. Like that's a, I think a mm -hmm. realistic outcome yeah. for this for this team if they're if this offense is for real. And I think you and I agree that that it probably is. It's it's tough, man. I don't want to get so far ahead as to predict that just because to sustain this level of pace the entire year is going to be difficult. I mean, they're number one in offense right now in the entire NBA. Will they stay number one? You kind of need that given the, mm -hmm. the the people. What I will say is. If you're a Pacers fan, I think you have to be really excited because Tyrese Halliburton is, your, is a cornerstone piece. Okay, that's a great cornerstone piece. You've got Benedict Matherin, who really appears to be to, – to me, he's a guy that you should be excited about. That's an exciting backcourt that you have between those two guys. They're different. They complement each other, um, and they just have this explosiveness out of your backcourt. Bruce Brown's there this year. You know, you got Miles Turner. I like Nemhard. Uh, off the bench, I think he's a really interesting player. You've got Buddy Hield. That's just there's a lot of players there that that kind of add up. And so for me, I look at it and I go, "Your house money this year. Whether you're the, are you the Memphis Grizzlies? Are you, um, you know, are you the Sacramento Kings? As you referenced, are you just a team that kind of outperforms and gets upset? It doesn't matter because right now you're looking at it and you're going, "We have four or five guys we should feel like we can build around. And at the end of this year, we'll know where the gaps are and what types of players we need." Well, we had an exciting ending in Mexico City. We'll talk about what went down between the Hawks and the Magic and why the Hawks might be taking a needed step forward. We're going to talk about that next here on Locked On NBA. Today's episode of Locked On NBA is brought to you by Jace Medical. We spend a lot of time together talking, you and I. We get fired up together on wins and losses, who starts and who sits. I'm thankful for that connection that we have. And today, I want our chat to be a little bit more personal i just learned that you can get a one-year supply of ed medications you realize what that means bring on extended travel bring on the next natural disaster or supply chain issue you are covered my friend you don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill your generics for cialis viagra or revatio prescription and this is possible because of our friends at jace medical go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication remember to use the promo code locked on at checkout 
for a discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about Jace, quote, I'm thankful for this service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half just to have it. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year supply. I also ordered antibiotic kits. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for anybody. If you or someone you love would get some peace of mind by having a year supply of any daily medication, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use the promo code LOCKDOWN for $20 off your purchase. Thanks for making Locked on NBA your first listen every day. An exciting one in Mexico City. The Hawks beat the Magic 120-119. to 119. Both teams led by 11 at one point. Ten different lead changes in this one. The Hawks went on a 14-2 run, mostly without Trae Young to get back into the game in the fourth quarter. Franz Wagner's swooping hook gives the Magic a two-point lead with 40, uh, 43 seconds left in the game. The only and good sh- play of the clutch for the Magic, by the way. The <laughs> that only was one. Yeah, everything else was turnovers. Uh, then DeJounte Murray hits a game-winning three off a drive-in kick from Trey Young. Young finished with 41 points, but 33 of those were in the first half. Just such a weird game, Adam. Uh, Man, he didn't score much I, in the second half. But uh, that pass to Murray, to me, I thought was the play of the game. Yeah, it was a phenomenal play. I was going to say, I think you undersold it. Yeah, like uh, off of a pass from Trey Young. Huh, no, off of an incredible pass from Trey Young. He kind of walked through the air, you know, goes to the basket, looks like he's going to shoot the layup walks through the air a little bit hangs and then throws a crazy wraparound right on the money it was a it was a 10 out of 10 pass it led to he right to his uh to his backcourt mate DeJounte Murray who hit the clutch three um and to your point this game my story if you're asking me like what, what I take away from this game the Orlando Magic played phenomenal in the fourth quarter for about five minutes maybe six and then it just got so tight they go to these elbow isos almost every single play. Nobody delivered. And they gave it – Markel Fultz got to go. Jalen Suggs had a horrible turnover trying to get it to the elbow off of what should have been a basic pass. Paolo Bancaro missed a couple of isos. Franz Wagner missed a couple of isos. But more than anything, I look at that roster and I go, Paolo Bancaro can iso. He's a great player. I don't know if this is an iso team in the clutch, though. You got, you've got guys. Get some movement into your offense. They tightened up. They went to all these ISOs. None of them paid off, and it just felt like you were watching the magic slowly bleed out. And it almost felt inevitable in the final like minute or so of the game. You're like, ah, magic, don't they're not going to pull this out. It's in these moments where the lack of spacing really feels like it impacts them. Uh, when they get into these half-court sets and a team like Atlanta that has length, right, and there's some athletic defenders there, they could just sort of swarm and, and, and force the ball out of Paolo's hands, and you kind of end up sort of – condensed Franz Wagner just trying to find somebody out of the traps and all these things. And as much as I like Markel Fultz and Jalen Suggs, they have a specific kind of game. They thrive in the full court, not necessarily in the half court, although they did both have their moments in this game at times. Um, no Wendell Carter Jr. in this one for Orlando. Gogo Batazdi starting the game for them. Jonathan Isaac finishing the game for them. Again, Isaac moments defensively, offensively. You know, he had 13 points. It was a little or 12 points. It was a little up and down for him, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The lack of spacing hurts them. They're not an isolation-heavy team. And a team like Atlanta, under Quinn Snyder, look, they've struggled on their own to kind of figure out this balance between Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. What exactly is the chemistry here? They mostly have their minutes staggered. This, I think, is probably the greatest moment of their partnership. I mean, it's not been that long. It's been a little bit over a season here. But that pass from Trey Young to DeJounte Murray in the corner was a real 
meaningful sign of, hey, these two can work together. Uh, and DeJounte Murray's got the shots, but to make that corner three-pointer in the final mm. seconds of the game, right? So um, I think that's a huge de- development for them. Not trying to, I, I'm not trying to extrapolate and, and be hyperbolic here, but the Hawks are five and three. Yeah, they're third in the East. They're number one in the Southeast Division, or, or fourth in the East, number one, number one in the Southeast Division for whatever that matters. Um, they look really good, and they're they're the team with the third best point differential in the East. And they've won five of their last six. You know, the yeah. only loss was Adam start out of the gate. Yeah, yeah, little stumble out of the gate. So you lose to Charlotte, you lose to the Knicks. But ever since then, you have a win over Milwaukee. You have a win against Minnesota, who's a really good team. Yep. You got a win over New Orleans, who's up and down. Um, and then obviously tonight. So there are some good wins there under their belt. Um, I don't know if I'm fully just buying them just yet. To me, when I watch them, they still look like the Hawks to me. They look like the same team, which is to say a good but not great team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they beat tonight narrowly down in Mexico City. They beat a team in the Orlando Magic that is not quite ready to make the leap towards good. At least they have not yet. Maybe they will over the course of the season. So to me, I don't know if this changes anything about how I feel about the Hawks. What I've seen from him, not tonight, but what I've seen okay. from him this year. I'm starting to buy him. I'm with you. I think I'm a hawk skeptic as you are. And there's a you can look at this roster, and there's certainly a lot of people that look at it and like, hey, it's so talented. They got Bogdan Bogdanovich coming off the bench. They got Sadiq Bey coming off the bench. Anyeka Kongu coming off the bench, right? Um, people in Atlanta keep talking about how good Adrian Griffin is going to be, even though he's I, not very good yet. I've never um, seen it. I, I, I always hear that one. I hear it from very smart people, by the way, people yeah. that I respect, but it feels like every time I watch him, I just don't see what it is that everyone else sees. But that said, it feels like Snyder is starting to figure out the pecking order, and I think that was an issue last year. It's like, who's good and who are we playing? The whole roster, past Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, felt kind of jumbled. And it feels like he knows the seven or eight guys that he really wants to go with now. And I think that's very meaningful. Again, I'm with you. I'm a Hawks skeptic, but I'm starting to I'm, – I'm kind of looking at the stock prices, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> when's the right value? Do I want to get in now before this thing potentially gets a little bit higher and I'm priced out of this thing? <laughs> I, I love that one. I uh... – I'm looking at them, too, and I'm trying to figure out their schedule coming up. They've got Miami coming up, and then they have at Detroit. You've got Knicks and 76ers, Pacers. I think it's that Knicks, 76ers, Pacers, maybe where we find out. That's, it's a homestand. you got all three of those teams at home. If you're a good team, you probably go 2-1, and one, you know, in that stretch. Maybe, you know, yeah. maybe 3-0, and 2-1. and one. So maybe we'll kind of re- get revealed to us a little bit more here in uh you know, coming up. But this was also a game, by the way, should be noted that they had a three-day rest coming into this Orlando Magic lineup. This is the time of year, Wes. I don't know if you look at the standings. There's teams that have played like nine, ten games as of tomorrow and teams that have played six. And you're kind of like, man, that's a real advantage when you haven't played that many games. Uh, Before we get out of this game, I just want to talk about Jalen Suggs. I love that guy. That's all. 21 points, 7 to 10 shooting tonight, two rebounds, one assist, five personal fouls, six steals. Like, nope, I don't really know what the Jalen Suggs outcome is. I don't really care. I love watching that guy play. I think back to the moment where he had his, he was hiding his face in his jersey after not making that game winner against the Lakers earlier in the season. That dude just cares, and he cares so much about games in November. And I, I just think that that's so good for the NBA. It's so good for a young team like Orlando to have where they take these games seriously. Um He's, I think, one of my favorite players to watch right now. The Magic, to me, are the fascinating team. I just, all of their players are so interesting, and Suggs yeah. is one of them. Where I, where I, where I agree with you is that Suggs makes a lot of winning plays. You know, just rebounds and and 
you know, smart defensive rotations and scramble plays that, that make a huge difference. Tonight, he had the worst turnover of the entire stretch. Of all the bad plays, we power ranked the eight worst yeah. plays of the Magic over the final five minutes. He would have come in at number one, a really bad entry pass, you know, that got stolen and, and turned into a fast break. It was just, it was an absolute killer. But I'm with you in that most of the time when I watch him, I just feel like he does stuff that doesn't always show up in a box sheet, but it's stuff that like every team needs a player that can do that. I just, I want to know what it is that is his like, what is his successful path? Yeah. What What is he like a better Marcus Smart? Is that like the best version of him? That's an interesting one. I don't know if he's quite that, that caliber defender, Um, you know, a defensive player of the year candidate, but he does, like Marcus Smart, makes winning plays, and I think he has a lot to his game. It's not like he's not a jack-of-all-trades kind of thing to him. So tonight he goes 4-5 or five from 3. Um, he gets the 6 steals, which is pretty crazy. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'll, I'll say this. I'm intrigued. I like him. Um, all right. What players do you need to know about? What players <laughs> should you be paying attention to? We're going to talk about that next here on Locked On NBA. Today's episode of Locked on NBA is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All you have to do is pick two to six players, and if they're going to score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can up you can win up to twenty five times on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports. Or leagues, for example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at 10.5 combo of three-pointers made and receptions. Entries could be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes Prize Picks the daily fantasy sports app that you're going to want to go to. For those moments while you're waiting for the game to start, open up an app, check out the options, make your picks, and put your skills to the test and enjoy the game with a little bit more sizzle. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. Plus, with Prize Picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets hurt. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. So go to prizepicks.com slash Lockdown NBA and use the code Lockdown NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash Lockdown NBA. Use the code Lockdown NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Thanks for making Lockdown NBA your first listen every day. It's Friday, which means it's time to count down to the weekend. What are we counting down with today, Adam? So a little different than how you teased it, because some of these guys are guys you you already know. But it's five guys who are having a better year than you realize. Ah. You might not realize just how good of a season they are having so far. I love it. To get us started. This is how you've been all over the league pass thing, by the way. This is such a I've been watching. <laughs> I've been like binging league pass for two weeks. Type of it's a total nerd list. A total nerd list. We're I'm in it. it. I love it. That's what we do here on Locked NBA. We're nerds. Number five. He just got hurt. A little tragic one. Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas averaging 27 points per game, which is very impressive. More impressive. He's averaging 21 shots a game. My guy is getting his shots up. 
for the he, Brooklyn Nets. How many? It feel, how many games has Cam Thomas played? Like he's played seven, eight. Eight. It feels like he has 10 40 point games already. <laughs> like I. <laughs> yeah. It's it's crazy. This guy, the numbers that he's putting up all the time. He averages more shots in one game than he has assists on the whole season. Just just for a point of reference here. But the guy's a bucket. The guy really is a phenomenal scorer. Like yes. It, not everybody. I'm, I'm kind of making a joke here because of the mold of player that he is. But he's really good at it, man. I mean, he's a really good scorer. He's shooting 48%. His three ball hasn't quite been falling this year, but the guy just knows how to get buckets. 36 points, 30 points, and 33 points to open the season. Then a little bit of a slump, 13 and 17. Then 27 points. Then 45 points hmm. against Milwaukee. And then uh, 14 points uh, before he got hurt he against got hurt Clippers after him. 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, where he's He's up there with, like, Luka. Right in terms of shot attempts, it's crazy. I love the fact that Brooklyn is like, okay, we've got Ben Simmons, we got Mikal Bridges, we got Cam Johnson who's been hurt, but whatever. We got Spencer Dinwiddie, a veteran, experienced point guard who's used to running the show, and they're like, nah, we're just gonna give it to Cam, let him go. I don't think they're saying Cam get brings the ball up the court, man. It's in his hands. You don't have to pass. (laughs) They're more like Cam. Can we also play? And he's like, no, not today. Um, Number two, Tim Hardaway Jr. Tim Hardaway Jr. Always long been a good player. He's yeah. averaging 18 points. He is shooting 41% from three this year on nine and a half threes a game. He's taking the uh, the fifth most threes of anybody in the NBA, and he's shooting 41% on them. He's off and, to a hot start. And so important to anchoring that that second unit in Dallas. A big reason. I mean, the biggest reason, not the the biggest reason the Mavericks are out to the start they are is Luka, Kyrie, Derek Lively, all these guys. But Tim Hardaway Jr. being a, an anchor off that bench unit is huge for them. You need 18. I mean, 18 points is, you know, as this auxiliary guy is huge and yep. knocking down the threes as consistently as he has. Um, this is the top three, I think, are, are real, there's really a gap here. Number three is Derek White. Derek White's been having himself a hot start. I mean, everybody's talking about Tatum. You got Brown. You got Porzingis. You got the names there. Derek White, to me, has been the guy who is like making a major impact. First of all, he is a plus 14.8 per game, just in raw box, you know, plus minus when he's on the court. That's third best in the NBA. Actually, it's first best of all the people that have played more than two games. He's shooting 54% from the field, 47% from three, and averaging 16 and a half uh, points a game. Oh, and by the way, to go with, uh, let's see here, four rebounds, four and a half assists, one and a half steals, one and a half blocks. The guy is, that's like, from all the five big categories, he's doing extremely well in all of them while being a hyper-efficient player. He is so integral to what they do, uh, what what makes the Boston successful. And hitting clutch shots, too, right? And he's been huge for them in the fourth quarter. He's obviously part of their starting lineup, part of their closing lineup. Um, yeah, I mean, he's not... He's not the worst player in that starting lineup, and that's not even a detriment to... like That's not right. even a criticism of anybody else in that starting lineup, but you think about the big names of Drew Holiday, Kristaps Porzingis, obviously the two J's. You might say, oh, Derek White might be the guy who you might think is like the fifth nope. in the pecking order. It's He's not. Good. He's yeah. good, man. A great defender, plays with pace, gets downhill, um, swings the ball, which is not something everybody on that team does very well. So uh, I just think Derek White's a He's the reason why they were able to trade Marcus Smart, right? right. It's because right. they saw what he was able to do. So. Number two, Ime Adoka. I don't know if you've looked at the net ratings lately. Um, The Houston Rockets are good. The Houston Rockets have now won four games in a row. 
They're in the top 10. Actually, they just fell out tonight to 11th in, I think, defensive rating. But they were in the top 10 in both offensive and defensive rating coming into tonight. Now one percentage point, I think, outside of that. But they lose three games. Okay, new coach, bunch of new players. You lose at Orlando, at San Antonio in overtime. You lose to Golden State. Okay, those are tough games, tough start. You lose. Since then, they're on a four-game win streak with two wins against Sacramento and one against the Lakers, all of these at home. I think that Houston's, like, better than we think. Like, they're actually a pretty good team. And yeah. more importantly, that was a team that was kind of a clown show, and now that they're passable on defense, that's impressive. They kind of got, like, this 3 and D thing going on. Like you mentioned, you already mentioned the defensive rating. They're up there in three-point percentage. They're shooting 39% from three this year. Uh, I don't know how sustainable that is, considering that one of their shooters, Dylan Brooks, is shooting like 54% from three. <laughs> we know that that's not going to hold. But Jamari Smith Jr. is shooting almost 40% on five, att- more, uh, five and a half attempts per game. But Jalen Green is the big story here. 45.5% on 4.7 three-point attempts per game. If that part of his game really comes around, I mean, he's not going to shoot 45% from three. But if that part of his game really comes around, that's huge. You combine that. Which I mean, just his his production at almost twenty points per game, plus Alperin Sangoon, kind of putting up like borderline all star numbers. Like he really is sort of Demontis Sabonis light right now for this team. Um, it is starting to work. I sold. I was never really in on Houston, and I was kind of taking a victory lap when they started what if, whatever it was. Oh, three, yeah. Two, oh, so this one made you mad. It's, I mean, mad is a strong word, but <laughs> but I yeah, These I'm, I'm backing wins. off of my criticism. In other words. Have you seen this? So they had a nine-point win, a 20, let's see, 20-point win, a 25-point win, and then a 30-point win. So they're they have been, it's not just that they've been winning, they've been blowing teams out. And these teams, by the way, are the Sacramento Kings twice in a row. And now the Lakers, like these are pretty big wins. They have some good tests coming up. But to your point, Jalen Green, Tari Eason, these are young players that like had a lot to learn. And the fact that they're starting to look like you know, they're taking a step forward. I, you know, I think he may. And I do like having those veterans like Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks there to sort of bracket them and just say, Hey, this is what it's like to be an NBA player. I think that's smart from a team building perspective. Number one, we talked about him earlier. Tyrese Halliburton, this guy, man, 23 and a half points per game. That's pretty good. I mean, scoring is not his best trait. He's leading the NBA in assists, 11 and a half a game. He's plus 7.3 raw plus minus. He's shooting 40% on seven threes per game. And oh, by the way, he captains and is the most important piece of the league's number one offense. This is a young player that to me, Tyrese Halliburton, he reminds me a little bit of Shea Gilgis-Alexander in that Shea was over these last couple of years has creeped into the like, oh, he's a pretty good player to like, wait, is he one of the guys, one of the main guys? I look at Tyrese Halliburton right now and I go, is he going to be captaining a top three offense for the next decade? Is he that type? Does he have that type of thing where he makes every type of player work and he just is such a great passer? He might be the best passer in the NBA, just pure passer of, of everybody there. I, I, everybody knows he's good. I don't think people know how good he's been so far this year. I was just going to say, besides like the cheat code Nikola Jokic, who's seven feet tall, and that doesn't count because it's not fair, just take him off the off the board. I think Halliburton is the best passer in the NBA. I think he's better than Luka. I think he's surpassed LeBron at this point uh, just because he's a little bit more of an active participant in his offense at this point. I think he's there. I think that's totally fair where he's at. And when you have that guy who could score that efficiently, and by the way, defend at a pretty high level when he really wants to, when he's super engaged, 
that is huge. And he's he's the biggest reason why the Pacers are doing what they're doing. He's the engine to the number one offense. Uh, I'm all the way in on Tyrese Halliburton. And I, I'm glad you have him at number one because this might be the last chance you get to have him at number one. I mean, he was an all-star last year. Right. He's going to make the all-star game again this year. Like there, it's it's not going to be much longer that he's going to be flying under the radar. But it's like Shea, where he had the year, and you're like, man, Shea is pretty good. He's better right. than we thought. And you think like, okay, he's just a ahead a, a year ahead. I think Lowry Markkinen is this guy this year. Where he had a great year last year, but not that many people were predicting him to make another leap up. And that's what I'm saying. I think Tyrese has made another leap up, and it's I'm like people are thinking he's last year's guy. No, this is a guy that is now captaining the number one offense in the NBA, shooting 40% on high, high volume, and that's his second best skill. His best that, skill is uh, the passer. The, uh, the, the bring the ball up at his pace, and the defender kind of plays off of him a little bit because he can also – he's got a quick first step. He can take you off the yeah. dribble, and you're really defending against the pass when it comes to him. You don't know as a defender when, when he's your man what's sort of going on behind you. Um, but when he just sort of – he's got this, like, I'll step up into this three-pointer if you give me – like a, a half a foot too much space and he's confident with it uh which says a lot because one of his big knocks coming out of the draft was he's got this kind of funky shooting form that kind of starts low and goes high um but he's found a way to get that release where it needs to be it's fast just enough to get that shot off and and he's really developed it so um yeah i mean he's he's a dude right and and you got to be happy if you're a Pacers fan um yeah. all right that'll do it for us today thanks for making locked on nba your first listen Every day, every day, or make sure you're subscribed on YouTube, Odyssey, and wherever you get your podcasts. The show will be back on Monday with the biggest stories from the NBA weekend. Until next Friday, you can find me over at Locked on Heat, and Adam is over on Locked on Nuggets. Have a great weekend.